0: joy in the heavens, a smile on the mountains, and melody sings everywhere. The flowers are all laughing to welcome the morning, your soul is as free as the air. The flowers are all laughing to welcome the morning, your soul is as free as the air. Sit by a stream and just be the little of the water will gather your worries and carry them down to the sea. The little of the water will gather your worries and carry them down to the sea. Men hunger for freedom, but don't see the dungeon is only the thought they their His eyes with their shackles, the hope that tomorrow, the doorway to joy will be found. His eyes with their shackles, the hope that tomorrow, the doorway to joy will be found. There's joy all around us, why wait till tomorrow, we've only this moment. is ours for the finding a freedom no riches can give a heaven within us is ours for the finding a freedom no riches can give there's joy in the heavens a smile Soul is as free as the air. The flowers are all laughing to welcome the morning. Your soul is as free as the air. The flowers are all laughing to welcome the morning. Your soul is as free as the air.
1: I'd like to welcome you all to Sunday service here at Ananda Village. I am Naya Swami Parvati. This is Naya Swami and we're very happy to be with you today for this service. Um, I'd like to read from Rays of the One Light. The topic today is What is it to fail spiritually? Truth is one and eternal realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. The first passage is from the Gospel of Saint Matthew, chapter 25. Jesus tells the parable of the 10 virgins, five of them wise and five foolish. They await their bridegroom, the Christ consciousness. The wise virgins keep the oil in their lamps, symbolic of their devotion, lit through the night. The foolish virgins place no oil in their lamps. These foolish ones are like the average devotee going through the motions of outer ritual, but keeping no fire of devotion, of love burning in the heart. When the bridegroom's coming is announced, The foolish virgins realize their mistake and hastened out to purchase oil. During their absence, the Christ consciousness comes and embraces those who have been awaiting him with devotion. The foolish ones by their lackluster devotion are not accepted by him. Watch therefore, Jesus told his listeners. For you know not, neither the day nor the hour, wherein the Son of Man cometh. In autobiography of a yogi, Paramhansa Yogananda describes the foolish virgin consciousness he encountered at the Mahamandal Hermitage he stayed in as a young man in Benares. I was pleased, he wrote, that my new home possessed an attic where I managed to spend the dawn and morning hours. The ashram members, knowing little of meditation practices, thought I should employ my whole time in organizational duties. They gave me praise for my afternoon work in their office. Don't try to catch God so soon. The ridicule, this ridicule accompanied, accompanied me one, on one of my early departures toward the attic. Later during meditation, I felt uplifted as though bodily to a sphere uncircumscribed. Thy master cometh today. A divine womanly voice came from everywhere and nowhere. This supernal experience was pierced by a shout from a definite locale. A young priest named, nicknamed Habu Was calling me from the downstairs kitchen, Mukunda, enough of meditation, you are needed for an errand. The Divine Mother's words were not spoken for the benefit of that priest, the foolish virgin, but for Mukunda, the wise virgin. For this was the day his guru Sri Yukteswar came to him. Grieve not friends, if you feel that you have been foolish, no error is forever. Some day, if you keep your lamp lit now, your opportunity will come. In the Bhagavad Gita, the 6th chapter, Krishna promises every devotee, Arjuna, none who works for self-redemption will ever meet an evil destiny. Spiritual failure, though a deep disappointment, is always temporary. Eternal hellfire is but a projection of vindictiveness in the human mind. Thus through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind.
2: Welcome, everyone. I'd like to read to you from Paramahansa Yogananda's book of sacred prayer demands from whispers from eternity. Through long winding pathways of self-doubt, fording mighty rivers that separated thee from me, trudging over endless wastes of barren lives, tossing dangerously on the rapids of many ambitions, arduously climbing steep mountain trails of desire and carefully extricating myself from the whirlpools of alternating sadness and hilarity. At last I have reached my journey's end. I look upon all those past travails with joy. Every struggle, every past agony has produced a flowing spring of joyous, grateful tears. In the sacred waters of those tears, I baptize myself daily with deep love for thee. So, what is it to fail spiritually? Well, you know, we're all familiar with that. It is something that we have experienced. But the point of today's reading is that we shouldn't identify that that's our reality. It's part of the enfoldment of working out our karma. I know a number of years ago, I had a, a challenging situation that happened uh, for me, and it, it gave me a shock. It was a challenging situation, a challenging test. And I remember I had the opportunity of having a phone call with Swami Kriyananda, and I was talking to him about this challenge, this shock that I had. And he said, don't give it too much attention. It's just karma surfacing. It's karma coming up, and it's for you to deal with but it will flow past you if you come at it with the right focus and the right energy. And that's really the key for all of us because if you think about it from the broadest perspective, that we're going to face those challenges constantly, repetitively, until we rise above completely the energy in that consciousness of failure. That they're the gifts that have been given to us. They're not really the tests in the way that we take tests. You can take a test by feeling it's something overwhelming you. Or you can take a test as a uh, uh, perspective of how are you doing? You know, how are you faring with the life around you? I remember reading this humorous little story about this little boy that um, really enjoyed cookies. And his mother realized that and tried to restrict his consumption of cookies. Uh, So she hid the cookie jar high up in the top shelf of a closed cabinet in the kitchen. Um, But the boy found out where the cookies were and he looked around and he didn't see any trace of his mother in the kitchen or anywhere nearby. So he got a a stool, got up on the counter, opened the cupboard, was reaching into the cookie jar and his mother said, aha, what do you think you're doing? What do you think God will be thinking of you? And he turned around and he said, it's all right. I took two cookies, one for me and one for God. And I'm going to help him enjoy his cookie in a little bit. And I thought, hopefully his mother at least appreciated the lightness of his humor. But of course it comes down to, for that boy, what was behind his words? Uh, Was it just to escape punishment? Or did he feel that? Experience that he was being more open and caring in a different way. But for all of us, we probably have similar experiences that we don't necessarily pay attention, that it, we have that happening in that same way. We may not cognize that. And we may either, you know, wash those things over or we don't pay attention enough to really see what's going on. But if we can approach life in every situation by just moving forward. I remember Parviti shared this um, conversation that Swami had some with someone that either she had been there or had heard about this, where the man was feeling not so good about himself. And he expressed to Swami Kriyananda, um, you know, sir, I'm just out of tune." And Swami had a soft smile and said, well, so to what degree? Because all of us are out of tune to some degree until we become Jivan Muktas. Isn't that nice to understand it from that perspective? That the, the problem isn't that we're out of tune. It's what's happening for us. Where is our energy moving? Because if we're feeling that there's a possibility of growth by saying we're out of tune, then that's a positive thing. But if we're just getting caught in that feeling of moping about, feeling in a mood, I'm out of tune, without moving the energy, then that's not gonna be beneficial. That's not gonna help. But even with the story from the Bible, this parable of the 10 virgins, It's very interesting, once you start to pay attention a little bit more to what the story reflects, a little bit beyond the obvious, for sure we have the five wise virgins. And why are they wise? Because they're keeping their lamps full of oil. So, allegorically, the lamps represent, uh, according to what Yogananda described and what Swami Kriyananda described, they represent the form of religion, of spirituality, even beyond just the form part into the practices, that the practices are that lamp. And the wise virgin have that oil, which is devotion and attunement. So as I said, even in our spiritual practices, our meditations, it's saying we need to have that that devotion, that attunement in that way. And it's not so much we see ourselves as being complete in the experience of complete devotion or attunement. But we're opening up to that experience in that way. But think about the five foolish virgins. Again, for sure, you, you read this, the parable and you understand they were foolish because they let their lamps. Run out of the oil of devotion. But taking another perspective on it, those five foolish virgins were still waiting for the Christ consciousness. They had that good karma and that spiritual magnetism to be in the readiness, even though it wasn't complete readiness, because it wasn't with devotion. At least they were there in that offering. I always like that side of the story because it isn't just black and white. It's a spectrum, it's a continuum of tuning into the different energies that really are being asked of us are being required from us, that we're moving in that way. You know, in the Bhagavad Gita, when you read the essence of the Bhagavad Gita, that Swami Kriyananda put together for us with our guru's teachings, that it's interesting looking at this tiny three lines, these short three lines that he ends today's reading uh, with, that he's basically saying for anyone who moves in the right direction of offering themselves, then he shall not have any evil as a result, that he will be blessed that way. But it's really important to read what follows from those few lines in the Bhagavad Gita itself and the understanding of what's being presented there. Because what's really understood is, what is spiritual failure? What does it really look like in our lives? So the chant that we first chanted, today my mind has dived deep in thee for thy pearls of love. If I find not, I will not blame thy sea. I will find fault in my diving." Now, that's interesting, because if you, if you look at it just in a, in a certain way, it's saying, hey, take responsibility. You know, if you're not getting into that depth of that ocean of cosmic awareness, It's because of your diving. But, again, we're diving. We're putting that energy into that experience as best we can, perhaps. And maybe it's not going far. But if we continuously move the energy, then the right things will happen. But the Gita's commentary talks about that there's the spiritual failure of the devotee who comes on the path, but doesn't have enough cohesiveness. As Swami Krinanda once said, there's not enough glue to adhere uh, the devotee to going forward. And there's a, there is kind of a connect and then a pulling away. Either it's too difficult, or I'm not getting the results that I expect, whatever it might be. There's a pulling away from that and feeling that the world still offers a lot of possibilities. You know, I've been reading um, these old uh, photocopies of the Inner Culture magazine, which um, Self-Realization should put out when When Yogananda was alive, he started the magazine. And its name has changed to East-West Magazine, and I think it's referred to as Self-Realization Magazine now. But this is from the spring of 1937. So if you remember what happened in 1935 and 1936, Yogananda went to India to heed the call of his guru, Swami Shrutaswar, in a vision, and he took with him Richard Wright, and these articles in the spring of 1937 are Richard Wright's more extensive writing about that journey with Yogananda. And it's interesting that not long after they returned to the states from this journey, that Richard Wright went off and kind of just went into a whole way of life after spending this intense time with Yogananda, very personal, or at least in personal settings with them. Um, But there was just a a wonderful, just connection there between the two of them. And indeed, somewhere else I had heard maybe from Swami Kriyananda or read it that Yogananda, at that time, really saw Richard Wright as his potential successor of being the president of Self-Realization Fellowship. As we know, when Yogananda passed, he had already dedicated that focus to Rajasthi Janakananda. But the fact that Richard Wright was that close in the aura of his guru, but that went off into other directions. But towards the end of his life, Richard Wright did come back into that focus of discipleship with his guru. Of course, Yogananda passed away in 1952. And Richard Wright was very young when they were in India. So he lived many years past Yogananda's passing. But just that idea that that would happen. Well, there are many people that kind of connect on the spiritual path, and you see them jazzed and inspired and really magnetized. But then there is other choices in life that take them away. And it may take them away for lifetimes, or maybe just part of this lifetime. The second part that happens, or second way that happens for someone to, in a sense, fail spiritually is that someone's very focus on the spiritual path. And they're really diving deep and deeper into the realm of that spiritual unfoldment for themselves. But towards the end of their life, they can feel that the expectation of what they thought where they would be hadn't arrived. Or they feel like, I can't put out the same amount of energy and it's like they coast. Now, this can happen at any point. Um, not just in years gone by that we arrive at that point. Although, that can happen, and it's common for people. Then you coast. I remember saying to someone um, when we were talking about the, fourth ashr- the four ashrams, which are the four stages of a yogi's life, and they have time periods that coincide. The first is being the student, uh, the brahmacharya life, and then there's the householder, married life. And then the third phase is that phase where the the pulls of family and business and work and all that start to lessen and fade away. And the fourth phase is sannyas of uh, complete offering to God. Now you can bypass the two middle stages and go into sannyas right away, not only outwardly, but inwardly. But I was saying to someone that the fourth ashram, this fourth stage, which is called sannyas, is the most demanding of our energy and magnetism of all the four stages. I don't mean in an outward way, but inwardly, it has to be increasing that commitment of energy and magnetism. Because that will allow us to be freed while living. But we can take that same attitude, whether we're 20 or 70, and feel that the greatest commitment in my life is my spiritual awakening to find my way home to God and Guru. That can be there for each individual. And certainly, there will be times when it feels like we have to coast because we've kind of run out of steam. But that's the time we need to find how do we reinvigorate having more energy. So we take seclusion time. We pay attention to what meditation really is for us and not assuming something. We feel how we can work with the different tools that are available and really enliven them, not just do them, because that's like the five foolish virgins that we're not giving our devotion, we're not tuning into the attunement that's really being asked to asked for from us, and really being the challenge that will allow us to grow into God's presence. The second chant that we did uh, at the beginning of service here is, Lord, when in darkness, Lord, in confusion, always will I follow thee. If I grieve or lose my way, only thou can comfort me. All I live for is to love thee, my eternal friend. That is the remembrance. That is how we're going to orient ourselves to really be deep in the experience. That there will be darkness. There will be confusion. But let us hold dearly and just with that devotion, that attunement to the divine presence in our lives. When we have that, then we have this third possibility of not reaching our goal, in this lifetime, and the Gita talks about this, that we've really focused our lives continuously, had that magnetism to grow and expand in our lifetime, but we still don't reach that oneness in God. And that's why Krishna says to Arjuna in in these three lines, whatever effort you put forward towards the divine, none of it will end in evil ways. Not only that, it's really saying none of it will be wasted. All of it will be productive because we will leave this lifetime with this magnetic momentum to be born again, to really feel that we're continuing the journey of feeling that, that treasure of the divine touch as being all that we're here for. All I live for is to love thee, my eternal friend. Then everything else that we encounter in our lives, all the different karmas, the different activities, the different relationships, all of what life presents to us is coming from that experience, coming from that filter, that this is for God, this is for you alone. And the more that we remind ourselves both in our thoughts throughout the day, but in the power and the magnetism of our inner practices. So when we sit to meditate, pray for devotion if you don't have it. Pray for attunement if you feel you're out of attunement. It's just a matter of degree. But feel that you have that attunement to even want to pray to be back in attunement. Hold that as a precious gift and let it expand in your heart, in your awareness, and in every moment of your lives. Where there's darkness, where there's confusion, always will I follow thee, my Lord. My heart is with you. My soul is with you. Let us together explore the adventure of our lives together, one in self-realization of the divine. Let's take a moment for a meditation.
0: seen a star rise in thee From a lonely valley we ascend, a wondrous vision sent us here. me come with you. Perhaps he's just around this bend, but whether